Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Amazing. Thanks, Viv. Thanks for the intro. I was going to give a bit more of an intro, but that's, that's good. I like that. DTI, uh, basically, does anyone know what DTI stands for? No, some of you. Uh, DTI stands for Dreaming the Impossible, and that's the Vineyard Youth Festival that we run in the, in the spring. Uh, and 2019 is our last year because in January of 2018, we were approached by Soul Survivor. As you might know, many of you maybe grew up going to Soul Survivor. It's a massive youth festival that's been running for like 28, 29 years. And um, they said, look, we're going to end and we'd love for you guys to take on some of what we do. So we're ramping up our festival from about 1,200 young people and and youth leaders to, to we're believing for 5,000. Um, and so this, uh, this is a big undertaking. So uh, hence my job. And, uh, and I'm hopefully, you know, we, we really believe that God is moving amongst young people in this, in this country. And we need a revival, really. We need God to move amongst young people. We need young people to find their purpose again. We need young people to find uh, identity in Christ. And so um, as, as Viv said, I'm passionate about helping young people on that journey. And um, we're all influencers, and we're all influencing someone younger than us. And uh, so I just want to jump in this morning. Uh, if you want to grab, uh, yeah, I don't need to say anything else about myself. It's, I'm from Australia. Wasn't it good to see the sun this morning? Oh, man. Isn't it like you read the Psalms, and it says your, your, your creation bursted into existence, and the sun uh, portrays your beauty, and creation portrays your beauty. And as soon as the sun got up, up this morning, I was able to get up, and I was just like, man, this is good. It's been a couple of grim days the last few months. And you can really get quite um, disheartened um, when there's no sun, but it's good that it's around. So uh, Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start at verse 35. If you've got a paper Bible, I'd encourage you to bring one. I'm a millennial, um, but I still believe in paper. Uh, and it, we're in a digital age, but there's nothing like holding the, the Word of God and seeing the context and seeing where things meet and match. Um, so if you turn to chapter 9... Uh, Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start reading from 35 and read all the way through to chapter 10 uh, to verse 8. Um, if you've got it, that's great. If you don't, the screen's over there or, or there. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news that the kingdom, uh, uh, sorry, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Then we move on to chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Theodos, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. 
These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go to the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim. Proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. I, lo- I love this scripture. It's, um, it's one of my favorite passages. And uh, what, I, what I love about it is, is that, that, well, no, let me just tell you where we're going. Uh, this morning, I want to I inspire you and encourage you and stir you on to, to, to understand the authority that you have in Jesus Christ. The authority that when you come into relationship with him and when you give him your heart and your life and all that you are, you have authority as, as a follower of Christ. But not just authority, um, he's, given you, he's given you a message to proclaim and demonstrate. And so we, I want to look at that, that you guys, we've got a message to proclaim and demonstrate to the world. And so I want to encourage you, stir you up, uh, remind you of the task at hand that we're called to as followers of Jesus. And if you're new here or you've never been to church, you've been dragged along, uh, thanks so much for coming. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming to an environment that probably is difficult for you. Um, I reckon it's probably, the, for a Christian, the equivalent of just rocking up to a nightclub. And, um, you know, there's, it's just different. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, uh, one of the things that I've realized when I read this scripture and I read about what theologians say about this scripture, they say that when Jesus was saying this, like this passage, the field is ripe with harvests, but the workers are few. He was actually looking. He was with his disciples, teaching them, and he was looking across to the city of Jerusalem. And there was fields, like as you would walk to Jerusalem. And do you know what those fields were? They were ripe for harvest. So this wasn't, Jesus was speaking, but he was, there was a visual picture that his disciples could understand. And so as I'm reading that, I'm like, Jesus, you're posing an issue. There's, there's all this stuff, there's all these people that are, that, are, that are ripe for harvest, but there isn't enough workers. So do you know what Jesus does? He's, he puts his mates to work. He puts his mates to work. He says to the disciples, so now I'm going to send you out with authority. And he sends them out and, and, he, and he gives them a message to proclaim. Do you know, I love Jesus, how much, when I read about Jesus with his disciples, he has so much confidence in them. Have you ever noticed that? You ever notice that? Jesus walking on the water and he just calls Peter, come to me. He actually believed that Peter was going to walk on water. And so did Peter. That belief and that confidence in him, the trust that Jesus was doing something that was a miracle and his followers could take part in that miraculous act. And so Peter took that faith on and he walked on water. But the thing that we realize when we read this scripture is Jesus highlights the problem and then, he, and then he provides the solution, sending the disciples out. I, I believe, like, you know, I feel like this is for you guys. God has, he has so much confidence in you. Do you guys know that? The message that, he's, that you found, the message that you received when, when it was given to you of, of the gospel, that God has so much confidence that you can, you can share that with others. In fact, I believe God's got more confidence in us than we do in ourselves. But not just confidence, he's given us authority. God has given us authority. And when we start reading this in chapter 10, we realize that God gives his disciples authority to go and do the stuff. 
Authority, you know, authority is, is like power. Anyone ever been given authority to take charge of something really important? No one. Oh, yeah, a couple, a couple, yeah. But you know when you've been given authority. Here's the thing. You can't take authority. It's given to you. And when we think about the spiritual uh, world, that you don't, we, we know Simon the sorcerer, he tried to take, he's tried to buy authority. Is that the one, Simon the sorcerer, who wanted what the disciples had? So he, he offered them money. You can't buy authority. It's given. And when you come into relationship with Jesus, he gives you his authority. But my question is, what is the authority for? Why have we been given authority? Well, just read the scripture. If we move to, to and what I really want to focus on today, I want to hone in and I, I really pray that this would stir you guys up like it stirred me up. Um, in verse 7, it says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received and freely give. This is what we've got authority for, to proclaim and to demonstrate the good news that the kingdom of God has come near. That's what you've got authority to do. I want to I encourage you. God has given you that authority to proclaim and demonstrate when, I, when I'm talking to young people, I say to them, God's given you authority to talk the talk and walk the walk. He's given you authority. And that's, it's given. It's, you haven't taken it. He's given it to you. I, I, I really believe that Jesus, he called, when he called his disciples, he called them into a mission. If you read theology, you, you, it's called the Missio Dei, the mission of God. And do you know what God's mission is? God's mission is to transform communities. God's mission is, and his heart is to redeem all humanity back to himself. That's the mission of God. And we're invited onto this. And I love this. I love being a part of God's mission. I, I'm, 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 I'm blessed that he's invited me onto this. But I want to share a little bit about um, how I grew up and the kind of context. So I grew up in Australia, uh, born in 1987. Yes, that makes me 31. And, uh, and I, I moved here when I was 18, but that's another story for another day. So I grew up in, in, in sort of Pentecostal AOG church, uh, Hillsong, and then we moved to another. But this was the message I remember getting. Hey, guys, invite your friends to church. Invite your friends to church. Come on, invite them to church. Hey, haven't you invited anyone? Come on, you need to invite someone to church. So as I was growing up, that got sort of pushed into me. That was the overarching message that my Christian faith, the sort of pinnacle of it was to invite people to church. Anyone had that experience? Yeah. See, that's not the message Jesus presented. See, I realized that I was, I was trying to invite people to church, um, but, I was, but really what Jesus want would, was to invite me to in, invite my friends to follow Jesus. Not to invite them to come to church. That's a byproduct of following Jesus. You're here today because you follow Jesus or you're interested to know more. That's, what, that's why we, we gather. And, and what I realized is, so for years I felt that my responsibility was to invite people to church so that then someone else would do the proclaiming and the demonstrating of the gospel. This is what I realized. This is what I've had to unlearn. This meant for myself and a lot of my friends, the emphasis was on living out our faith. Uh, sorry, the emphasis was on living out our faith. Both, hang on, meant for, I'm not really a notes person, so uh, 
the, um, the emphasis was on, on us living out, was, was not on us living out our, our faith in a personal level. It was more like bring people and someone else will do it. Because I, I think, when I think deep down, I didn't, see, I didn't see myself as having the authority or the responsibility to embody the good news. Do you, do you, does this make sense? So, so because it was a sort of thing that I need to get someone to somewhere, then I didn't, I didn't own that authority. I didn't own that responsibility. You see, if our goal, if the goal of our faith is to get our non-Christian friends to come to church rather than fully embody the message of Christ and introduce them to him ourselves, then we will never understand the authority we have been given from God to live out this message. Now, this was a revelation for me because for years I was dependent on the guy who had the mic and the band who did the singing and whoever else was doing something to win over my friends. But that's not, that's not the gospel. The gospel is a, is a life. It's a proclamation and a, de, uh, um, and a demonstration. But here's the problem, right? As I study the church, as I talk to people who make up the church, I have the privilege of traveling around the country to meet people who are the church. Um, I see that my generation, millennials and, and, the, and Generation Z to come, all these labels, but anyway, people sort of are grumbling and moaning and, and getting frustrated with church. You feel that? You feel that? You feel like conversations even amongst Christians. Oh, I don't know how it was this morning. Uh, do you, what do you think? You know, like the, it's sort of what, what, I've, what, what I've, I believe that part of the frustration is the body has stopped doing what it was always meant to do. The proclamation and the demonstration of the gospel. That the people, the believers of God would, would, would talk the talk and walk the walk. Uh, I, I, I don't know if anyone's ever read a book or seen the DVD, The Insanity of God. Anyone ever heard that? It's, a, it's one of the most challenging books I started reading, and then I realized there was a DVD, so I just watched it. <laughs> you know, like, so I, I haven't really done anything with the book. But there's a thing at the start of the DVD. My wife and I watched it, and we were so moved. We were so moved because this guy is a missionary, and he's been basically working for 30, 40 years with the, most, with the least reached people groups. Some of the stories that he, he shares about the persecuted church would literally break your heart, would stir you up so much to just be like, what the heck am I doing? And, and he, he, wrote, he says this at the beginning and he writes it in the book. 90% born in the church, raised in the church, saved in the church, married and buried in the church will never share Jesus with another person. Now, I don't know if I really, that's not really a fact. He's just saying it. But the more people I talk to, when he says share Jesus, I think what he means is go and make a disciple. See someone come to faith, disciple them until they're able to do the same. And then if I think about that, I think well, maybe that starts right. So this isn't to condemn anyone. This is to stir you up because there's a mission field. The fields are right with harvest, but the workers are few. Here's some other, on a more positive note, um, uh, the, the Evangelical Alliance, um, uh, Church of England, and Hope, you know Hope Revolution, they do stuff with, anyway, yeah. Uh, so those three put together stats and they interviewed and um, did, uh, got statistics from thousands and thousands of people to come up with these, with these stats. Two-thirds of practicing UK Christians say they've talked with a non-Christian about Jesus in the last month. Sounds good. 
One in five non-Christians say that after having a conversation with a Christian about Jesus, they are now open to an encounter with Jesus. That's cool, eh? It's cool. I had a chat with a girl at a party recently, and I just saw the opportunity to go for it. She was telling me she was into yoga and into meditation. I said, I meditate too. So it's on the Word of God. And uh, that really helps me. And we got into a conversation about baptism, about being born again. She said this line to me. When I think about my life, there is nothing positive that I can think of. What an open heart. What a ripe field. What a, you know, man, come on. I was so, she, she, she ended up leaving our conversation crying. And all, the, all her friends thought I'd said something nasty to her. But she couldn't, anyway. 34% of UK populations say they believe in the resurrection in, in Jesus, in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's good. Here's our solution. God's mission, plan, and purpose is to use us as his hands and feet, the church. You see, the gospel is something that we proclaim and demonstrate. It's a lifestyle that we embody as the people of God. We actually embody this stuff. We are called to talk the talk and walk the walk. Um, I just want to show you guys something. Maybe you're, you're sat here and you've, you've never realized that this is actually part of our job as Christians to proclaim and demonstrate. So I want to give you a quick, I do this with young people um, and I do this with sometimes new Christians that I'll meet um, and they're coming to faith and I just want to explain the gospel uh, Abby, if you don't mind, I've got two slides. The first one, I just want to talk. I was going to draw this on a whiteboard, but I thought that everyone would sort of not see it. I don't know how your eyesight is, but you can all see that. Um, let's start with the left hand. This is called three circles. It's a way to just share the gospel. So um, I want to just give you a tool. I'm basically saying here's something to think about and mix it up. Maybe try, try it yourself. There's loads of ways to share the gospel. But, but this is in my mind when I'm talking to someone about faith. Um, it, the, the, the first circle is the heart. When we look at the world, when, when God created the world, he made it perfect. In, if you look at the world from God's design, originally there was no struggle. There was no desperation. There was no sin. There was no unhappiness. It was a perfect world full of love. But, but humanity, we know if we believe the Bible, but you don't even need to believe the Bible. Just look at the world, the second circle, it's meant to be a crack. If, would you all agree that when we look at the world, it's broken? Yeah? And so I'll say this to my friends. When you think about the world, do you think it's broken? And I said, do you know what people, I believe what people do to, to provide a solution from that. Rather than running back to God, they run away. And those, those like squiggly lines in the arrow are like bungee cords. You know, we're all trying to escape the world. Think about the little things you use to try to escape reality. You know, for a long time in my life, I used to use pornography. I used, at school, I used to use violence and bullying to escape the reality of, of my own problems. People use drugs, uh, like just sex, alcohol, uh, holidays, um, social media. It's all, it's all attempts at escaping the reality that we're living in. But you know, that, that escapism is just like a bungee cord. Ever, anyone ever done a run, bungee run? You, you think you're getting somewhere, and then you just get yanked back. And so, so humanity is constantly getting sucked back into the brokenness of the world. But here's the good point. The, sec, the, third, or yeah, the, the third circle, we'll go back to the first in a minute. The Bible says if you repent 
and turn away from that broken way of life and, and fo- put your hope in Christ, you will be saved. And so here's the second circle. We've got the cross. You draw the cross. You say Jesus came down to earth as the exact representation of God. The Bible calls him Emmanuel. That means God with us. That he came to show a broken world what it looks like to live a perfect life in in constant communion and in harmony with God. But he didn't just do that. Because he did that and because he preached a message that people didn't at the time didn't want to accept, they crucified him. And the cross is the Christian symbol of death. It's the death that Jesus died on a cross. But he didn't just die that death. He was taken off that cross. He was put in a tomb and three days later he rose again. And, and the, 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 the crown on top is because he is king. He's king over sin and death. And then what you do is you cross out the person running away because on the cross, he defeated sin and death. And that means for you, if you put your trust in him, the Bible says you're a new creation. You've been born again. You, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So we're, caught, we're called back in to God's original plan. That's why when Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God is at hand, he was demonstrating and embodying the full kingdom at hand. Isn't that cool? And he was showing people what that looks like. And now that's our job. Because there's another arrow that this person that I downloaded from Google didn't put in, is there's a fourth um, arrow that goes back to the broken world. Our mission is we're sent back to that broken world to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel. That took me two or three minutes. And what I do with a non-believer or a friend who I'm talking to about Jesus, where are you on that? I remember talking to one guy. He said, I'm on my knees, Zeke, but I can't go further. What a beautiful picture. Why can't you go further? Because there's still stuff I want to hang on to. Whoa, man. Whoa. Okay, we can talk about that stuff. Guys, this is, the, this is the message that we're proclaiming to a broken world, and it's good news. It's good news. When you see someone pass from death to life, it's good news. I'm excited about this stuff. I'm really excited about a generation being raised up that know this stuff and know how to share it in their schools and in their workplaces and all that kind of stuff. We're not just people of proclamation. We are people who actively demonstrate the power of the Spirit of God living in us today, wherever we are. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 5 verse 7, uh, no, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, favorite, one of my favorite verses. There's a lot of favorite verses. It says, it says this, uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. You know, as Christians, we have power. We have power to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk and people see it in our lives. So I want to watch this, this, this um, little short clip we're going to watch is by a guy called John Wimber. Um, the Vineyard Movement exists because of him. Well, it exists because of Jesus, but he was pioneering. He pioneered the Vineyard Movement. Now, we're moving on now about how do I demonstrate this stuff with my life? Let's, let's have a watch. Isn't, isn't it great? Um, really, like, you, you know, John Wimber was a, was a, he was a pioneer, really. He, he stirred the church again to believe about doing the stuff. Um, and I, I've been really, like, affected by this video. Every time I watch it, I, I move because I'm like, man, I, don't, I, don't, I want to live that life. And I've been sold a lie somewhere. Somewhere I've been sold a lie that it's someone else's job to do the stuff. And look, look, if we want, we can join in 
with a number of theologian and church leaders that have just said over centuries, guys, no, we, we, we're cessationists. We don't believe that, that the gifts are for today. Now, you can join in with that if you want. But, but as far as I'm concerned, when I read the scriptures and I, I'm stirred by the Spirit of God in me, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stirred to do the stuff. I'm stirred to be God's hands and feet on this world. Like, believe, I want to see this stuff happen. I want to, you know, like, I want to see his power at work in my life. Not because I want to be known or because I want to be a powerful guy. Because it's true. Because it's the truth. If it's the truth, then it's got the power to, to, to use. Real quick plug. Re- Read this book, Power Evangelism. If you want to get stirred up again to do, to do the stuff. John Wimber, some incredible stories. But at the end of every chapter, there's activities that you can literally... You read it with a friend and go out and do it on the street. That's what Terence and I have been stirred to do, spending some time out on the street uh, lately. Even this week, we, we, we went to a, to a place and we were praying for people. And two people that we separately prayed for, after we'd prayed for them and started to share about Jesus, they both felt a physical manifestation in their body. You see, we're people of power. We're people of power. I want to finish with a story and... Um, you know, uh, we're pressured by our culture to be distracted. But this is the heart of the Christian faith. You know, G- Jesus said, freely you've received, now freely give. And I remember when I've had to unlearn this stuff. I'm not saying I'm amazing at this. Guys, I- I'll confess, I often don't pray for the sick when they're in front of me. I often bottle it. I've bottled it this week. But also there's been time this week where I haven't and I've gone for it. Because we must. We have to. It's, it's the call of God on our lives. And I remember I was reading, I just read that book, and I read a book called Do What Jesus Did by a guy called Robbie Dawkins. It stirred me up so much. A few years ago, I'd been a, a youth worker at a park. Um, yeah, that's, it sounds weird. I was employed to basically hang around down a park with all the kids that weren't in school. I loved it. I did it for eight years. I had so much opportunity to pray for young people, tell them about Jesus demonstrate and proclaim the gospel but I didn't get the whole demonstration for ages I didn't get it and so what I realized is I was reading these books and thought hang I don't even want to invite them to church I would be embarrassed if they came to my church and I'm employed by that place this is just me thinking it through because you know back in Australia the church was quite a place that I could invite it was quite vibrant and they were doing a great job but the church I was at for 10 years was sort of like struggling Um, and I was anyway you get the picture Um, And I just, my friend, a guy who I knew was an atheist, he'd he'd rejected Jesus for years. We'd had loads of conversations. There was a lot of proclamation, talking the talk. And when I say demonstration, the two parts, I mean, there was a demonstration from my life, a different life, something that was different from the life he was giving. But when I'm talking about the demonstration of power, I'm talking about them encountering the power of the Holy Spirit. So my mate comes down the park, and uh, his life's a wreck. He's gone back to smoking weed, dealing drugs as well. He's just broken up with his girlfriend at the time who he'd had his second child with. He was on antidepressants and he, he, his life was a mess. And we're sat in a circle and he comes around and shares this stuff. And I'm like, do you know what? This is an opportunity. And I said, mate, I'd love to pray that, you, that something changes in your life. He said, Z, you know, I'm not a Christian. I don't buy all this prayer stuff. But go on, like when you get a minute, like go for it. He didn't think I was going to pray there and then. And I just bust out in a prayer. Lord, release this guy of the stuff he's carrying. Just the authority that I have in Christ. 
It doesn't matter where you are. We're down a park. It was, we just sat there. And I start saying, and, and I'm praying this prayer, and then I say, all that stuff be lifted off in Jesus' name. And I continue praying. He said, whoa, what just happened? I'm like, what do you mean? He literally stood up and he goes, mate, that is weird. Like, what did you just do to me? I said, nothing. He said, I don't believe this stuff. I said, that's cool. That's the Holy Spirit. You be, he said, as you prayed, be lifted off. I felt that there was a weight lifted off my shoulder. I said, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. I start trying to go into Christian mode and get all. That's the Holy Spirit that was promised when Jesus died and rose again. Said he'd send his spirit. He's like, mate, I, I, he just ran off. He literally did. He, he got his bag and he just went off. I'm not lying about this. Two weeks later, I see him, Zeke, everything you've said about Jesus over the last years, let's talk about it. I was able to lead him to Christ and baptize him. And, you know, the beautiful thing about this story is that he was really abused growing up. Like, I'm talking violently abused by his dad. He didn't believe, that's my time. Um, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't believe, he didn't believe that there'd be a God who would reach down into his life and touch him. And this is the reality that that's happened. He, his children are now singing, you know, Jesus loves me and all this stuff. His wife's on her way to come into faith. Like he's a youth leader in my old church. And I love this. I love this is the power of the gospel. It's the proclamation and the demonstration. And we've been given the task to get on with the job and, and do the stuff. You know, like, um, oh, I... I want to be this kind of disciple. I want to be a disciple of Jesus who believes this and lives this. And people look at my life and say, man, God must be real. And I know, I know many of you, I know all of you really deep down, you want that. That's why you came to Jesus. Because he wooed you with his love and his grace. And he forgave you from the mess of, that you were involved in. And so, so I want to call out people this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to, to, to actually respond in a way. Um, because I, this is the stuff that's going to change the world. This is what will change the world. Not our prayers, not our giving to this stuff. Actually doing it. Doing it. And as a church, I believe God's stirring us up to be a people who do this stuff. So... So the call this year for you guys that, that I'm putting out is to be a people who talk the talk and walk the walk. And this is a constant, you could say this to your friend who you came with or people in the church that you care about. You could say, rather than questions like, you know, it's good, like, are you coming to church regularly and are you giving and are you reading your Bible? It's good. Another question to add is, are you doing the stuff? And you can be honest. Well, do you know what? I need prayer. I need encouragement. So I want to just... I want to take a moment for, and I want to invite people who are like stirred by this stuff and they want to take a stand before the room, before everyone who's here and say, I want to be a person who proclaims and demonstrates. So if, if you want to, if you're stirred by this, I just want to invite you now to just stand, just stand and don't feel pressured to stand. You don't have to stand. Maybe you, you're living this out. And, and what we're going to do is we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit because His presence is here. He's stirring you up. You know what He's stirring you to do. You know how He's stirring. And if, if you want, you can close your eyes, put out your hands, or you can do whatever you feel you need to to just 
Say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm a vessel. I'm loose change for your spirit. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.